This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Hey everybody, thanks as always to our friends at Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation for their continued support of everything according to Flint and welcome to episode number 61 and a young up and coming bull rider who is getting to the top as we speak, as we record this, he is the number one ranked bull rider in the world in the professional bull riders with Jose Vitor Leme uh, hot on his heels an interesting, deep, and intelligent young man. That's why we picked him. Andrew Alvidrez joins me this week. Uh, looking forward to a great talk. Enjoy him. I think he's going to be around a while, so you might want to pay attention. In the meantime, enjoy a message from our friends at Pendleton Whiskey and Montana Silversmiths, and enjoy Andrew Alvidrez. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana Silversmiths buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana Silversmiths buckles, and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana Silversmiths. Welcome to episode number 61, according to Flint. Really, I'm going to say one of our first kind of young gun bull riders. I get a lot of requests for when are you going to have some young guys on and this is kind of a first, Andrew Alvidrez. I got to say, I chose you because I think you're more interesting. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> Met a lot of young guys. So good to see you, man. Good to got your, your medium t-shirt and your tattoos showing. I like it. Oh, yeah, man. You got to rock this medium. What I always say is, if you had a Ferrari, would you just leave it in your garage? No. Or would you drive that thing around? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd drive it around. I'd take the cover off it. And I, <laughs> heck, it reminds me, have you ever seen that? I don't know if you watch football, but I'm a football guy. And when they have those <clears throat> cold weather games and the guys come out with no shirts on to get acclimated and they're walking around, there's one guy out there and one of the commentators said, man, if I had a body like that, I wouldn't even own a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I don't know, man, because I used to be a little overweight, so, like, I still, man, I, I I know that, you know, I'm in shape, but I still, I don't know, I guess I don't want to take my shirt off all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy, hey, take your shirt off while you can, because you get to my age and you do everything to keep it on, so I avoid, oh, I <laughs> I avoid water parks, um, whatever. <laughs> hey, I should, go ahead. Because, uh. I don't know if you ever seen my dad, but man, my dad's—he's, believe, forty-eight now, and man, he's still jacked. He's just jacked. If you see my little brother, same thing, man. We—he has good genetics, so being the son of you know my dad, I really try to keep it up. So that's the goal we have right now. Who's gonna be in shape the longest? I—I got to tell you something. Speaking of that, so I—I I always bring a piece of paper. I write down kind of where I want our conversation to go. Um. Yeah. I'm looking at where I have it. Oh, right down here. It says, your dad looks like he could do it right now. <laughs> so, oh, I was way ahead of you. Your dad was, so was your dad a bull rider? No, sir. He actually, he, he grew up, you know, he was a, like amateur boxer. And then he got into the oil field trade. And I remember growing up, he was a horse, uh, racehorse trainer. So that was kind of my, I guess, 
how I got involved was like animals, you know, it was the racehorse business first. Yeah. And I think, I think exposure to animals and, and you're probably, uh, I know you haven't been around as long as I have, but as we go to cities, I think you notice people instantly, how did you ever decide to do this? How'd you get into this? And it, it doesn't matter what aspect of the large animal industry you're in. I think familiarity with animals gives you that opportunity to choose that path. And I agree with you. I think being around racehorses and stuff, it definitely prepares you, doesn't it? Oh, for sure, man. I remember growing up, like, it's actually funny because I was taught to be very cautious around horses, like, because they're always, I mean, they're hot, you know, they're always kicking and trying to get loose and, when I got introduced into like the rodeo field, it was a big shock to me. I see people walking behind their horses, walking underneath them like nothing. And I'm still over here making a big OU around these horses because <laughs> I'm not trying to get kicked. And, you know, but it, it definitely did. And I think that's why it, you know, for bull riding, like my dad would put me on these colts, you know, and trot them in a circle. And well, I remember one time, I don't remember it, but my dad tells the story a lot better that one horse took off on me and I'm just hanging on to, you know, the main and he's yelling, jump, jump. Cause I'm, I don't remember none of this. I'm a little kid. He says, I jump and wrecked out. He says I was fine after that. So I guess we're good, but it definitely, you know, it just being around animals that can hurt you. I guess that's why I was able to translate into bull riding so well. I think it's just, I always was a little intimidated by horses. You know, I grew up around rodeo. I never really caught the bug of, I can rope, I can ride. But there was always a little fear. I always called it a fear of horses, intimidation. But I think it's a respect of horses. And that carries over when you're getting down, when you're getting on a bull. It, people say, aren't you scared getting in? That's the other question. But it's really a respect thing. Uh, you know what he brings, he knows what you bring. Oh, for sure, man. Like, yeah, you know, us bull riders, we'll get aggressive with them bulls, you know, and we'll, because we know we can't hurt them, and Them bulls, man, they, they're nothing to be messed around with. Like, if you go back there behind the bucking shoots, everyone takes their hat off and prays over that bull from what I've seen in some form or fashion. Like, it, there's such a huge respect, you know, for these animals that we're willing to turn to the highest power, you know. And I'm not trying to talk, get all, you know, Bible something, but that's, that's just the reality, man. Like everyone is like that. There's such a huge respect and just, I can't even articulate it, you know, in words, I can just feel it. Cause it's something that it is something to be serious about, but at the same time, you know, we're so confident that we can do it. We have a blast and we call it fun yeah. and it's dangerous. You bring <laughs> you know, you bring up a good point though. I don't, uh, I'm not a big outspoken person in the kind of faith I have. Um, mm -hmm. Keep it to myself, and I could be better at it. And there is something about walking in those arenas where you come down that tunnel when you open up into the vastness of an arena where you are going to perform in whichever form or fashion that is. There is a there. There's something you you try to grab onto. And I think that's where faith comes in. We're in a situation that I kind of breathe it in. And we all, the bullfighters and I say a little group prayer out where nobody can see us too. But I wouldn't say it's a necessity, but there's not, you bring up a good point. Not many guys that don't pray before those shows, is there? Oh, no, man. And that's something that it showed me that I'll just put my personal experience in it. Whenever mm -hmm. I get down on my knee and I grab the dirt. I grab the dirt because I watched the movie Gladiator, you know, how he Maximus grabs the dirt and smells yeah. it. Well, I grab the dirt and I pretty much have a meeting with God, like, let me do my best, but most importantly, let me get back to my family. And I end every prayer like that because it's the real deal, man. And I love it, though, because to me, we're literally modern day gladiators because back in the day, you know, Vikings, the Aztecs, they went to battle, you know, to show God, like, look what I can do. I'm going to do this for you, you know. And to me, I find that very admirable, willing to just 
lay your life on the line for something you believe in. So faith is extremely important. I can't see anyone get into this level without faith. Yeah, in some form, in some way. It, yeah, some way, some form or fashion, man. You know, it's I've been all around the <laughs> beliefs, man. I still have, you know, certain beliefs myself. I'm actually. We we'd have to have another conversation for that, man, because I feel like it's. I have a different belief as well. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, funny story. When I think of you, <clears throat> and I think I've told I've told you this before. We've talked about it, but you first came around. And we were doing the events in Guthrie. I believe it was Guthrie with no crowds. And uh-huh. you came along and we're making some good rides. And we had, we, there was no crowd. So I was doing ride pass and TV. At that point, we had a little meeting. And can't remember who our TV producer was at the time. But he said, hey, that new young guy is, he's good. Let's get a, try to get an interview with that, uh, Andrew, the new young Brazilian rider. See, is he good? Is Can he speak English? Good, we said. Andrew's from Texas, man. And he was so embarrassed. He's like, what? Like, because there's so many names. There's Dos Santos and Lemmy. Here comes Andrew Alvidrez. Like, dude, I'm from Texas. (laughs) Do you run run into that traveling with all these bull riders a little bit? If I had a dollar every time it happened, man, people come up to me in different cities. They don't know whether to speak Spanish, Portuguese, or English, you know, like, (laughs) Man, I get, I get it all, man. That's why I don't take it, you know, personal at all. Because, man, at the end of the day, if that's what you look like, that's what you look like. I look like a Brazilian. I look like a Mexican. You know, whatever it is, man. I'm I'm from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but you got, you know, what a good out would be like. You know, sometimes it gets overwhelming. Not most most places, <clears throat> but the PBR World Vinyls is the one place in my career that I've put my phone up to my ear and pretended I was talking on the phone and, and I wasn't really on the phone, but you, I, what you got to learn to say is, Hey buddy, that's it. And then they think you don't speak English and you don't have to talk to anybody. Silvano Alves, he's made, Silvano's made a living at it. Oh man. There's a lot of them Brazilians that know English. They just don't want no one else to know. They know English, man. I know. (laughs) Uh, anyway, that, I'll never forget that. Like, no, Andrews, he's just from Texas. He's, but oh, yeah. yeah, there are, but there are a lot of them. It's admirable. I think it was Paulo Crimber. We had Paulo on here and he looks at it like, uh, the ones that if you're planning on being respectful and making a living here, you should learn English. And he said, the ones that do are the ones that are planning on staying a while uh, have a respect towards the country. It's admirable because they're they're dropping everything and coming into our culture. So to be around those guys every week, a guy like Jose, who just now, I mean, speaks it so well. That's that's admirable admirable of them to respect our culture that much. I think. One hundred percent, man. Like, and that's that's why I tell all the new Brazilians coming in as well. I said, man, learn the language. More opportunities are going to be approaching you if you learn this language and that's something that i'm so thankful for that my parents did for me i mean i don't have the best english but growing up english was the first you know language introduced to us spanish was second like i can get by you know speaking to some people in spanish but english is my you know my first language because growing up you know in the in back in the day times were different you know and times were a lot different and my dad didn't want to didn't want me to face you know those adversaries that he faced so he knew one thing if my son wants to get ahead in life he's gonna have to learn this language and I can't thank him enough for that we we had an interesting conversation a couple years ago I remember this one too it was in Las Vegas when we were no crowds and you you were filling us in on your Hispanic heritage and your grandparents your parents you have a, a deep pride, as everyone should. I don't mean to say that like it's a surprise. A deep pride in your Hispanic heritage. And you were explaining, was it your grand... Did your parents come from Mexico or your grandparents? What's your lineage there? Who came over? So I'm a third-generation American. Mm-hmm. It was actually 
my great grandfather on my dad's side and then my grandpa on my mom's side. So both of my parents and my um my grandparents and my grandmother were born in Texas. So growing up, like when my grandmother on my mom's side met my dad, uh, my grandpa, he was from Mexico. They came to El Paso. He got his citizenship and, you know, had my mom, my dad, man, his dad, his grandpa say they're born in Texas. So we're assuming this is an assumption that our my great great grandpa is from Mexico. Like, man, we the Alvedras family has been in Texas for so long. It it's a it's a weird conversation because every time I meet someone from Mexico, they go, What part of Mexico are you from? I said, I think my great grandpa or great grandpa is from Juarez, Mexico or Chihuahua, Mexico. But it's just an assumption, man, because growing up, you see me, I'm Mexican. Yeah, like, but you know, it, it it's it's really weird. It really is weird because, like, for example, growing up in the schools, I couldn't hang out with the kids who were, like, from Mexico because I wasn't Mexican enough. I wasn't really Mexican from Mexico. <laughs> well, when I hung out with, I hung out with, you know, the American kids, I had this insecurity. I had to be more American. You know what I mean? Because I'm not Mexican, then what am I? So growing up, it was really weird for me. It, it's interesting, man. I, I always wondered if people who were – hispanic heritage had the same kind of you know experiences so what you so what I, what was your answer do you think what do you think your answer was you weren't american enough to be the american kids you weren't you're not really from mexico well yeah so what'd you do i stood in my own lane like i really i was one of them kids man that i i found the gym you know i went to the gym you know i i had maybe two three close friends you know and they all rode bulls you know, that's how we related, but really majority of high school, man, I was that kid in the gym in the morning and after school. Cause that's how I spent my time. I didn't go to high school parties. I didn't go to, you know, festivities with other people. So I just stayed in my own lane and you end up meeting people who they don't care what nationality you are. They don't care, you know, the anything about that. They just know you're a good person. Mm. And that's why I always respected, you know, like, being around those kinds of people because man like the mexican culture it's a very prideful culture mm -hmm. so whenever they see someone that looks like them that's from mexico oh la raza you know like that's that's a saying like you know chicano hispanic latino heritage it's it's interesting man like the older i get i'm learning more about my own culture because for the most part i'm pretty americanized so now i'm growing up learning more about the mexican culture and it's honestly badass man i'm I'm having a blast. Yeah, good for you. Uh, yeah, because it's a visual. It, it's all a visual because nobody comes up to me and goes, oh, I'm from Denmark too. What part of Denmark are you from? Like, what? You know? Yeah. Because it's the same. Uh -huh. It's the same generational. I'm a third generation American as well. But yeah. visually, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. So, uh -huh. but there is a, but the, the Hispanic culture also, check me if I'm wrong, is very family-oriented, correct? Oh, man, it's... I, I'd say this, man. I talk to my mom and dad about it every day. It, and if I don't get a call, I get a text. Growing up, you know, family is... There's not a strong enough word to articulate, you know, the affection I have for family because my family wasn't perfect growing up. But there's one thing they taught me was I can literally do anything I set my mind to. And I believed it. I've seen my dad do it in his line of work. My dad's a successful man. My mom's an intelligent woman. Like, I come from that just hard work family, man. That That's where I come from. And I'm so proud of it. I really am. Yeah. I, uh, well, and that's why, you know, a joke that, and people, hey, I've seen these young bull riders. And I, I've told the guys that helped me here, I'm, I'm picky. I, I want to have a real conversation, you know. And, uh, and, and, oh, I yeah. and I should say, which I haven't said in our conversation, as we record this, the number one ranked bull rider in the world. Uh, when you are the number one ranked bull rider in the world, in this moment, as we're talking, you're the number one guy. 
but I'm looking over your left shoulder. And over that shoulder is a guy named Jose Vitor Lemmy. <laughs> well, not right. Well, yeah, he's standing. He's short. You can't see it. When that guy, <laughs> when that guy is over your shoulder, is it in your mind or do you keep it compartmentalized where it's just you just do everything you can? You got to know he's there, right? What I expect of Jose is exactly what I expect of myself. He comes to every event. He's going to ride every bull he draws. It doesn't matter if the bull's a piece of shit. If the bull bucks hard, is a, a nut, he's going to ride him. So what I expect of myself is I have to do the same thing. And whatever the cards lay out, the cards lay out. Like this past weekend, I knew I should have rode my short go bull. I should have rode my short go bull. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. But guess who did ride a short go bull? Jose. He's great. He he is. He's taking the bull riding to another level because in the back of that bull rider's mind, they know it. They want to go buckle. You're going to have to be better than Jose. And that comes down to riding all your bulls. But, yeah, I'm very aware that it's going to be a fist fight, man, to the world finals. I'm aware of it, and I'm prepared for it. And my strategy, my recipe is the same thing. Whatever I draw, I expect to ride. Hmm. However the cars lay out, they lay out, man. Um, it's a different kind of season. Here we are as we do this, the middle of January. And we're, we already got seven events under our belt. You know, New York City was, was the sixth technically or fifth or sixth, whatever we are in event of the year. So we're in a little different situation. Already the middle of January, you start to get an idea of how things are playing out. And that used to be way too early. When I look ahead in my situation and the age I'm at, as Christmas rolled around, I looked ahead and found the schedule to appear daunting to me, a grind, uh, even in my position. How's this going to play out? Do you look at this schedule? We do not have a weekend off until right before World Finals. What's this schedule look like to you? Daunting or just what you freaking want? <laughs> it's a little bit of both because there's a lot of things that play in this sport. Like recovery is a huge, I mean, a huge thing in this sport. And us not getting a weekend off, man, it's going to be taxating on the body. It really is. But at the same time, we're chasing greatness, man, and it's just going to be part of that story. Like, there's going to be bumps, there's going to be broken shit along the way, but honestly, man, that's what I live for. That 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 I, it, it, it builds my ego knowing that the cards are stacked against me, you know? Like, <clears throat> I get that. Like, that's what it is, man. Like, just... I mean, for example, us getting on bulls, the fate we're not we're never we shouldn't even be the we're a thousand to you know, two thousand to one, you know? So to me, yeah, it sucks because we ain't gonna be able to get the recovery time needed. But at the end of the day, it's like who's got the biggest pair of balls? You know, <laughs> who wants to go into the trenches yeah. get after it, you know? Here's like, a, here's how I here's how I see you. Uh I see you as the guy that everybody's going. Holy crap, have you seen? We we go all these weeks in a row. Jeez, you know how many bulls that is? And you're in the background going, you guys keep bitching, I'm going to kick your ass. I'll take Give it to me. Dude. You don't want it? You don't want it? I'll take it. And it's going, here's what I think it's going to do to guys. There's a lot of guys, frankly, that could take better care of themselves as professional athletes. And they choose to, you know, they'd go about it a different way. You're a guy, you're prepared for this, are you? You're you're a gym rat. You're in shape. This is your jam right here. Yes, sir. It, it's, I've even like, I'm not, you know, the, the best when it comes to nutrition, but that's something that I'm even witnessing. A lot of guys are being aware of, like, even with myself. Yeah. I hit the gym. I train every single day, but man, nutrition is so important when it comes to this recovery game, because <laughs> That's something that lacks, you know, on the weekends. You know how it is going to these deals. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I'm still developing. I'm still learning. But, yeah, for the most part, man, this is my field. Like, 
I love a, I love a good old fist fight, man. You know what I mean? This is this what it's going to be this year. I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's uh, we talk about it a lot in production. You know, it's the same way. We we're, we we go through similar things, even in different different categories. But we're all we're all getting on planes every week and dealing with airports and the nutrition thing. I suck at it. I'm terrible. Oh, it's, I, I'm getting it, better, but it's hard. Oh man, it is, man. It's it's tough. <laughs> well, the thing I, the I, thing you're, I, I love food. <laughs> so do I. And you're on the road. And if you, for one, if you want to eat good on the road, there's two thing it take, things it takes. It takes time to go find what fits what you're trying to do. And it's expensive. So you got to make, you got to decide, are those two things, do I want to take that on? You know, it's easy not to. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's why I've become a huge fan of fasting. <laughs> I I intermittent fast like no other man. <laughs> I'll starve I'll starve myself to dinner time so I can eat what I can eat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're young. What? How old are you? Twenty. Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah, you can still do that. You, you can you can still do yeah. that. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, you know, you've always since you first came around, and Matt West knew you a little bit and talked you up to me and said, hey. Wait, what do you need, Andrew? This Alvidrez kid, he did. He told me right away, this Alvidrez kid is going to outwork everybody. And I've seen that from day one. You've uh, never afraid to work. You've always had the heart. I feel like this through the teams a little bit, and then especially this winter, you took everything you were doing and you just slowed down and did it how you're supposed to. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, one hundred percent, man. And it it honestly came down to it was right actually the the first finals we had in May, right before the team still. Mm-hmm. And man, I I don't know what it was, but something clicked. And then with the team still, I learned. This is the analogy I have for it. With mm-hmm. the team deal, I learned to be the Kobe Bryant. And that's something I repeated in my mind every team event we had, every matchup we had, because it was no longer about the individual rider. It was the team. And to me, you know, our team, for example, they put, you know, we got put in circumstances where it came down for me to, you know, I ride, we win the event. So I feel like being under that, experience with pressure it all comes down to this ride it all comes down to this ride i did that so often that now i approach every bull ride it comes down to this ride it comes down to this ride so when it comes to that last bull at the world finals i'm gonna be ready for it because i'm treating every single bull like it's the most highest stakes and it's just one and it's no no matter where it falls in the sequence Mm -hmm. of bull rides it could be a regular season bull in the long round in Indianapolis, or it could be the final bull at the PBR world finals for a world title. Yes, sir. Still just one. Just one. Yep. It's th- th- that one. Um, yes, sir. But it was, we, we watch you and your, your everything, your mechanics, everything was right. And we'd get, be in the locker room after, and we do kind of review the night and what we saw. And I remember saying, it, Andrew is doing everything right, but he's working so hard. He's he's riding harder than you're overriding. I felt like you overrode bulls, and you know everybody. It, it, I equate it to guys I work with. It, fans think bullfighters are fast, fast, fast. That throughout the history of bullfighters, the old guy tells the young fast guy, "Freaking slow down, man! <laughs> slow down!" It, it you just. It, yep. Not only is it ride to ride, it's also jump to jump. You can keep breaking it down, can't you? Oh, yes, sir. And that's something for me that I had to come in tune with because I feel like, including myself, you know, when a lot of guys override their pools, it's because of doubt. You know, you, you're doubting your ability to be there when you need to be there. <laughs> like, for the longest time, I guess I really rushed into being a position I wanted to be in because deep down I was insecure that 
I wasn't going to be there. And once I learned to trust my body, trust my strength, trust my skills, everything just started coming into order. So now I approach it as it don't matter where this bull puts me. I know my body's going to find the middle. Mm-hmm. Well, I see it. It's, uh, it's very evident to me. And I don't know. Yeah, it, it's good to, it, it's good to have somebody to cheer for. You should know we cheer for you. Like you don't come up and we I go, appreciate we don't, you don't come up and we say, man, Andrew's riding good. Too bad. He's such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> We don't do that. And that's a big step oh, for you, man. You know, that's, um, oh. Hey, you brought up the teams and you talked more about where they put you and what needed to be done. Your coaches, Ross Coleman and, and Luke Snyder, right? That was your, yes. those were your guys. You know, that's my era. Those guys, you know, they lived the life. They were in that era of you'd see them in the hotel lobby at four in the morning. And when you're heading, heading to the airport and they're still there playing a guitar, but uh, yes, Ross Coleman and, and uh, Justin McBride was right there with him. Always tell me the same things. No matter how much we were screwing around, it always circled back to bull riding in some way. We were always talking about winning. What did you get from that? Did you get that from, from Ross and Luke? Did they sit you guys down? What were some bigger picture things you got from those guys? So what I learned the most from, you know, those coaches, I really, you know, I, I gravitated, I gravitated my attention a lot more towards Ross because that was something that, for example, me, man, I didn't grow up cowboying. Yeah. I've done a couple of cowboy shit, but I haven't done it consistently like a true cowboy does, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So I always felt like that was something in my arsenal that I didn't have to make me the best cowboy I can be. So I've heard all the stories about Ross Coleman, how, you know, like that's one cowboy son of a bitch. Like it goes mm-hmm. down the line. So I guess I took Ross as like a mentor, mental, like when he come, not necessarily bull riding, just mental stuff, how he approaches things, you know, his charisma, his attitude. I paid very close attention to all those things. And I started applying it to myself. Like whenever the bulls start bucking in the bucking shoot. I tell myself now, oh, I love this shit. I love it when they get fucking in there. That's a you know Ross. I mean? That's a Ross Coleman deal, man. Yeah, let's go, and, and, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and I, that, that's what it was for me, man. Just that gritty, you know, toughness that Ross carries. I added that to my arsenal, and when times get sketchy, you know, I'm I'm ready, and that's something that I learned from Ross. A big deal. I've known Ross since he was a kid, high school kid know his family in Molala, Oregon, uh, their ranch. Hey, there, there are, there, uh, I, I think it's a real thing. There's bull riders and there's bull riders that are cowboys. And Ross Coleman, he's been a cowboy his whole life. And, and I, I agree with you, not that you did anything wrong, but I think there's a lot of guys in your position that have be, you know, gravitated towards this lifestyle that can learn the, the basis for this sport is cowboy, is cowboy shit. Like you said, and if you can yeah. take that, and Ross Coleman is a great example. He's a cowboy. Like that guy, the stuff he'd yell to you guys <laughs> and and his philosophy on eat it up. Are you gonna buck in the shoot on you? Just yeah, eat it up. That's that's Ross every day. Oh, that's every day, isn't it? Oh man, it don't matter if it's in the back of the bucking shoots or in the hotel lobby talking. <laughs> he has that energy all the time, man. <laughs> like it and even when he's trying to compose himself, you know, like be just be normal. You can still see it in his eyes that he, yeah. <laughs> he wants. To, oh, yeah! I remember. I, love he, it. I remember he'd do something. And, oh, in the arena. Yeah, Ross Coleman, and he'd turn and like punch me in the chest. Like, no, oh, God, no vest, no vest, Ross. Like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, man. Talk about a guy that looks like he could yep. do it. Talk about a guy that looks like he could do it right now. Ooh, I don't mess with Ross. I, dude, I I can see it. I really can't. I remember uh, anytime I saw that bucked off and I saw the replay cameras, just seeing his head down shake, I'm like, mm, you know, like, <laughs> that's your coach. That's your mentor. You know, like, that, that's what's so cool about these team deals is that we're not just riding for ourselves now. Like, we're being accountable by our teammates, by our coaches. So I think that's what adds, you know, that extra flair of pressure. It, yeah. It's a cool thing. It really is. Yeah. 
Um, you, uh, Kaylee, right? Your wife? Yes, sir. Your, your wife, Kaylee? You don't go many places without Kaylee, do you? Uh, you know, I, I see her, no, her practically every event. She's there kind of sitting in the same seats. I admire that about you. That That's a big part of your life, isn't it? Oh, man, that woman right there, man, she she keeps me grounded. That's for damn sure. She keeps me humble, man. She She's a damn good woman, and she supported me from the very beginning. I remember I was taking her to this house I was renting, and at the time, you know, I was a little embarrassed because I was just sleeping on a air mattress, and my drawer was this Walmart, you know, Ben's. I don't even know what to call it. Yeah. You put school supplies in it. Usually, that was my drawer, and I brought her in there. I go, hey. I'm not a rich man, but I'm a hardworking man. I'm a good man. And she didn't even care about none of the, none of that stuff. You know, she stayed with me, you know, thick and thin, man, through it all. And now that we're here, yeah, you're going to see her quite a bit. She's been through it all, man. She plays a, I see her as, plays an active role. She does some social media stuff, takes care of some things. Um, when you won your first event, Manchester, that was the first, you won Manchester and Albany back to back, correct? Am I right there? Yes, sir. Yes, when sir. she was sitting, as I'm looking at the shoots, I remember she was sitting right there. <laughs> and uh, she's in that first row. And as soon as you rode that bull, I eased over there and I just fist bumped her. I'm not getting to that. Uh, I just fist bumped her. And the tears were running down her face. Like, uh, my man, my man. She finally got one. I could just see it in her. She's pretty proud of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, she is. She, She's proud of me and... Like I said, she keeps me grounded. <laughs> <laughs> I can see for, that too. For the long, oh, for the longest time, man, like before I was like on tour, you know, I would do these self-talk affirmations like I'm a professional, I'm a professional, you know, hold yourself more, you know, to a level. And she just gave me shit like, I'm professional, I'm professional. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just talking shit. <laughs> That's good for you. That's good for you. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, yeah, she's, <laughs> right. um, yeah, she's great. Tell me uh, before we went on the air, you reminded me of this when we were having a conversation. Your logo on your shirt, and I've complimented you on the logo without really knowing what it was. Describe it um, and tell us what it's about. The gold chaser. What's it called? Yes, sir. I wish I had it on me right now, but it's uh, the bull emblem that you'll see on my gear and shirts. It's called Gold Chasing, and it's, you know, I started when I was like a freshman in high school. It really didn't take off nowhere till now, but pretty much what it stands for is that success, winning, whatever you want to call it, is just like breathing. You know, the first breath is important, but it's not as important as the second breath because that's how you live. That's how you carry on. So that's why goal chasing has always been about, okay, you got one goal, let's go get the next goal. So we're always in the pursuit of a new goal, just like always in the pursuit of a new breath. Kaylee actually ran and brought me. This. Oh, perfect. There right? you go. Yeah, I wanted to see it. So it's a bullhead, but it's that that's it. I just love that. Yeah, man. So it's, the, it's the strength, the, the strength, but the bull's signified within the logo as well, right? Yeah, his his horns are muscles, man. His horns are muscles. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so is it, is it a, a logo personally, or I, I'd love to have something with that logo on it, by the way. I'm just, I mean, I'm not saying that a guy would bum something off a friend or anything, but I really <laughs> like that logo. <laughs> so you gotta get, you gotta oh, get yeah. me something with that on it. Okay. A t-shirt or something. Hey man, merch is coming soon. So you'll probably see one for sure. Uh, well, I like it. I think who designed the logo for you? Kaylee. No yeah. way, really? Yeah. So at first it started with I was under this agency uh, last year and we had the bull emblem, you know, just the bull emblem. And I go, man, that looks like it could be arms. So they kind of made it into arms. And then Kaylee, you know, she's a digital marketer and she just started toying with it. And mm -hmm. before you know, they came out looking like jacked arms. Like, uh. So a couple people had to play in it, but Kaylee definitely put her touch on it. Yeah. And by the way, I didn't mean to sound surprised. Like, really? Kaylee did that? Like, not that she couldn't. I know she's standing there. So I'm being careful what I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, she, that girl, 
she, she's really artsy crafty man she does a lot she even leather tools no like she's made me wallets all that stuff yeah. yeah we'll call it artsy fartsy let's call it artsy artsy fartsy yeah you need to convince her to play the guitar man she could play huh yeah i'll sing with her my girls were just at my house my own girls and played the guitar and we all sang tell her you know yeah. she can't underestimate me i'll whoop it out i'll i'll, I'll do some tuning <laughs> Um, do it. Hey, as you, uh, sometimes it's easy on this tour. We get, we, we have the opportunity, um, to go to all these different major cities across the country. And, um, sometimes I get where, oh, I got to go to Atlanta this weekend. Oh, I got to go to Chicago. And when I'm there, I think, look at me, I'm a, I'm a town of 1600 people and I'm performing in all these cities. Uh, it gets tiring. It's easy to get jaded, even when you're, when it's your age. Have you learned a lot? Like, it's cool. We're going to major cities, Andrew. Like, I think everyone should do it. Like, I think you get, you learn culture and decisions in your country and how the country works. Have you found that? Man, I have learned more about life traveling than going to college for two years. Like, Man, I've learned so much about just how people are different, man. Like, I used to, you know, I came from a family that was, you better put a capital R on that respect, and you talk a certain way, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And I expected everyone to be like that growing up, and then you start traveling to different cities and how people act, and you start learning, like, man, it, people are really, uh, you know, we're molded by our environments, you know, like, and just being able to experience that in different cultures, it gave me a gratifying, you know, feeling that, wow, I was, I'm very thankful to be born in Texas, the family I was born into. And not only that, just learning that, like the Brazilian cultures, man, there's Brazilians up North. I didn't even know that. Like I had no, there's like, I forgot what city it is. Up in the Northeast, like, right? Up in the yeah. Northeast. Yeah. They uh -huh. told me the same thing. There's a big Brazilian there's a rider up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's insane, man. But just to see all these people and how they they have different lives. Like, for example, New York City. Like, I couldn't imagine living there, going to wherever you go to, having to go through all that chaos. And then you have people in Wyoming where you just have everything. You can see everything. You know, it's – I recommend it to anyone, man. I feel like you get a deep sense of – just understanding about people in general traveling. Yeah, I do too. It's that's probably been the biggest thing. Just you have references when some things are occurring in the country, you have references. I, I think it's cool when I'll watch a basketball tournament or an NBA game and you go, Oh yeah, I know what the, I know what the locker rooms look like in that arena. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of yeah. cool. Really? Oh, yeah. um, I love it. Being uh, able to perform where all my, you know, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, you know, all them guys where they performed. That's yeah. badass. It wasn't you. Who was I talking to? And that wasn't, was that you and me in the hallway of Madison Square Garden? And I, maybe it wasn't you. And I said, look at all the stars who have performed here. And somebody said, Mike, oh, it was a bullfighter. Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali. And I said, Harry Styles? No, no. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, anyway. Um, for the fans' sake that, that watch this, is there right now, I mean, the, the bull power and the bulls you guys are getting on, it's it's unbelievable what you're getting on. Is there a bull sitting out there that you haven't got on yet that you go, that's the one, that's the guy I need to ride to really show what I can do, one you really want to get on? So it's not that I really want to get on him, but I do believe that when the opportunity comes, it's going to really put a confidence booster for myself. And that's Dennis the Menace. Oh, I, God, I had, I was wondering if you were going to say that. It, um, man, not a lot of guys like him. And there's a reason to it. You know, he's one, he's hard to ride. I'm really unsure how high you would really score on him because just of the trips I've seen him have, he's an eliminator, man. But I feel like if you ride that bull, that should be a stamp that 
you got everything else after that. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the same thing called J.B. Rod Bushwhacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure after J.B. wrote Bushwhacker, he was like, the rest is history, you yeah. know? Uh-huh. Like, I, like, there's just something about that aura about Bulls, man, that Dennis Amendes carries. So, yeah, yeah, he's on there. I I wouldn't pick him if I was sitting in a top five position. I know that, you know, but definitely down more of the line. Yeah, he's one of them Bulls that you should pick. Yeah, if you come in 12th, in the short round and you're the last guy, there's a chance you'll get stuck with him. But 100%. But he's so strong. <laughs> I could see that because you you have some power to you, the way you're built and what you've done with your body is you have some strength. And I know, yeah, you got you can never outpower one. You got to take the power away from him. But he's going to throw some power at you and you're the kind of guy, he, he does, now that you bring it up, he does fit your, your body type and your style a little bit. So, yeah. I appreciate it. I, I feel like a lot of them bulls that guys don't like getting on fit me well because, you know, when it's time to get gritty, I'm I'm along for the ride, man. <laughs> That's That should be on a shirt. When it's time to get <laughs> gritty, I'm along for the ride. <laughs> well, hey, Hell listen, yeah. now if you come in number one to the short round somewhere and you have the first pick in the draft and you leave Dennis Amanis, I'm going to be like, come on, wuss. What, what's going on? <laughs> I'm all over you. <laughs> oh, dude, this is when it comes to the short go, man, it's a business game, too. It's them Brazilians know it. Americans know it. There's a reason why everyone's chattering about what bull you want, this and that. The results the same. You got to ride the bull. But, man, I, I've screwed myself up picking a bull. It was actually in was it New York City. I picked some bull, man, and I shouldn't have picked him. Should have rode him first yeah. of all, so that fixes it. <laughs> you're, yeah, but you're on a topic that people find I think would find interesting. That I I always walk out that gate during that intermission, go get some water, go to the bathroom, whatever. And you guys are lined up like this, and you're talking, and uh, it, it's a probably a different process than what people think. You brought up JB Mooney. He did do that. He pick he rode Bushwhacker thirteen times and kept picking him. I like what you said. This is your living. This is your business. You got to be have some smarts about it when it comes to that. There is man. Like I always say, I don't ride for today or tomorrow. I ride for my longevity. Like when I leave the PBR, I'm leaving creating something new with what I've done with the PBR. I'm not going back to a nine to five. Like that's just how I am and. I feel like if you want to be there, you got to take, you know, a little bit of both. You know, you got the cowboy approach and you got the businessman approach. You got to mold them together sometimes, man. Like not taking nothing away from the Dragon Slayer, J.B. Mooney, mm-hmm. from Cowboy. But mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, his body got worn down picking the rank is bull all the time where you have guys like Silvano Alves, three-time world champion, he, he looks in perfectly fine shape. I'm sure after bull riding, he's going to be able to do other adventures, you know, that, and he's going to be fine. Yeah. Cause man, it's, it's risk and reward. You know, yeah, I feel like you got to pick, you know, what do you want to be known as? You know, that's, that's why they call JB Mooney, the dragon slayer. Mm-hmm. He's going to play his bull that comes in. Yeah. And, and people idolize him and put him on a pedestal, but on the other end, JB's body needs to be rebuilt reality and he's good with that i guess yeah it's one of those things man like when we get to talking about greatness that's greatness willing to lay your life and body on the line for something you believe in yeah um i used to say i've used the line in the arena several times where a guy will be 69 points 71 points well he's gonna make a businessman's decision and keep the score and i always say businessman are sitting in those suites up there. Cowboys are in these shoots. So you do. But it's got to, there's a meet in the middle, meet halfway point somewhere. Oh, man, there has to be. And I always say, you know, the businessman doesn't turn on until you're outside of the arena. But at the same time, you know, look at Silvano Alves. He has three gold buckles. And, And he wasn't, yeah, people can hate him all they want because he didn't pick the rank as one, but the man has three gold buckles. <laughs> I agree. You, that, like, 
come on, man. The dude's one of the – he's in talks of one of the greatest. But they don't want to give him that credit because he didn't pick the rankest bull every single time. Right. No, he did his job. And he didn't Captain take Kim. and he didn't take a re-ride every time. He did exactly. what he thought was best for him and his family, gave up his life to come to the US and did what he thought was best for him and his family to be well. Yeah, man. To me, that's a lot of trials and tribulation in itself. Coming from a different country, paving the way for your family, and then adding three gold buckles, not just one, but three. Like you said, man, that's yeah. That's great. And he, yeah, here he is this year. Looks great. He's riding bulls this year. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell, old man? I always say that to him. What's going on? And then he <laughs> pretends he doesn't speak English and he walks away. But, <laughs> uh, who do you, uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you go here in a minute. Who, do you, who are you, do you travel with anybody besides your wife? Do you consider someone, do you dress by somebody? Do you prepare by someone? Who's, who's your group in this deal? Man, for the... You there? Yeah. Okay. Um, man, for the most part, is just my wife and I. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do travel with guys, you know, I enjoy traveling with like Chase Doherty, Ezekiel Mitchell, you know, Austin Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of times, man, it's just my wife and I. It, it. I don't know, man. Like I said, I. I'm. I'm a good friend. I'm just not that friendly, I guess. Like <laughs> it's not. Yeah, but. Earlier, you told me about how you grew up and you had to find mm-hmm. your own lane. You're still, you're, you're friendly. You have great friends, but you're still in your own lane, are you? Yes, sir, man. I, and I guess it's not, you know, in the sense of, I, I think I'm better than anyone, but man, I like, like the way we're talking right now, these are talks that I could have with Ezekiel Mitchell, Chase Doherty, Austin Richardson, really getting down to what are we trying to do in life? What what is going to put us to the next level? Those are the conversations I like having with driving on driving to the next one or, you know, whatever it is. Those are the type of people I want to be around. I, I hate small talk, man. I, I can't stand small talk. To me, it's it's just repetitive things that we've memorized to say to each other to avoid awkwardness. Yeah, agree. <laughs> I agree. So yeah. agree. Good point. Gosh, man. Good point. Um, listen, I... Like I said, not a lot of young up and coming bull riders on here because you know why? Because we have the conversations on here. Like you just said, you know, it's not yeah. small talk. It's not about how do you feel when you're getting in the shoot? How'd you get started? It, I don't know. It's fun to talk. And like I told you earlier, that's why I picked you because I know being around you, you and your wife, it means a lot when I see you and I look forward to seeing you and I cheer for you. And I want you to know that. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. So uh, we appreciate your uh, taking time out of your day. Um, keep chasing gold, man. That's that's what the uh, that's what the logo says. Keep it. Keep after it. Okay. Yes, sir. Will do. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>